0: you, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to City Church. My name is Drake. I'm the pastor here. It's an honor to have you gathering with us. You glad to be here? Oh man, I'm so glad that you're here. Today's going to be a great day, but I got a couple of things for you real fast before we get rolling. Uh, The first thing is this, this afternoon, 5 to 7 p.m., we're throwing another block party in North Boulder. Let's go. Who's pumped about it? there is a giant obstacle course inflatable for the children it might or might not also be big enough for adults that's all i'm saying okay so we got to do some safety test runs on the front end snow cones popcorn hey we're throwing this big party in North Boulder for our community. We do these periodically throughout the year. And so tonight, 5 to 7 p.m., snow cones, hot dogs, popcorn, all the things, yard games. It's going to be an incredible opportunity. also want to celebrate, we have some partners with City Church from uh, Texas here in town who are serving alongside of us. And so many of you know this, City Church would not be here without the help of tons of other churches from all across the nation who have invested through prayer and finances to help us plant. City Church turned three back in March, and it's it's because of those partners and God's incredible Grace that we're still here. So, we can you do? Just give our hands for God and all the people that invest. So, they're going to be serving alongside of us. We're excited to serve alongside you, but also want to invite you not only to be there yourself, invite your friends, but then come to connect and engage with our community to love people, meet them where they are. If you're interested in serving at the block party and you have not already signed up, uh, you can use those connection cards either in the seat backs in front of you or if you received one on the way in. You can circle at the bottom of that connection card the letter B. As in block party, that's why there's an alphabet at the bottom of your connection card. You didn't know that. You're like, what is this for? That's why. Circle the V, if you want to serve snow cones or run a bounce house or be in the bounce house or whatever you want to do, okay? So block party uh, uh, this this afternoon, excited for it. Hopefully the weather is nice to us. and then Tuesday and Wednesday, we're doing some really cool uh, work around the church. We installed this new playground for our community outside in the front when you came in, and it's getting one more facelift. Uh, we, we have a big heart to be in and for the city, and so even that playground is for our community. And so right now, it's got some gnarly weeds that are just very unkind to your skin. And so this week, we're putting in some railroad ties and some pea gravel. And so if you're just like into that manual labor thing, there will be sledgehammers, okay, and it's going to be great. And so pretty much all day Tuesday and Wednesday if you got some margin and you want to help with the installation of the rest of that playground then you can circle the letter P as in playground on that connection card. We'd love to get you connected. And then last but not least, earlier this week, another one of our partners was in town. As a church plant in Boulder, we're able to kind of leverage what we call mission teams, these, these teams from other churches that come out and just serve alongside us midweek with their time, energy, and resources. And so one of our other partners from Prestonwood was here earlier this week. We handed out 20 gallons of free cold brew coffee on Broadway. Let's go. Put your hands together for that liquid gold liquid gold it's it's so much fun and we're gonna be doing that again this week and then in addition if you walked in or walked in you probably drove in or however you got here you might have noticed that the lines were a little more visible in our parking lot and so since we don't own this building yet you know it's kind of this slow roll of uh of of taking care of things and so they came back on their own time with their own money they went to home depot they bought parking lot striping paint and they painted our whole parking lot for us just on their own volition this week so put our hands together for their generosity amazing. Um and that's that's all I've got for announcements, okay? Um hey, so we are in the series going uh through the, the summer uh through the book of Nehemiah. If you have your scripture journals, you can pull those out. Um if you don't have those, there's journals in the seatbacks in front of you. There's Bibles, you can use your your notes on your phone, however. But today we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter Eight, and I'll catch you up there. Now, listen, no matter where you're walking in on your spiritual journey here at City Church, you are loved, safe, and welcome. Our mission here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. What that means is that no matter where you're walking in, our desire and our heart is to meet you where you are and help you take a next step in your faith journey. And so just know that, man, we are for you in that and whatever that might mean. Uh, last week, we had uh, our friend David Yerdah from Anchor Church come and speak at City Church. Was that not awesome? Put your hands together for David. Listen. If you missed David, David is the pastor of Anchor Church. They're a little over a year old. They're one of the churches that we're helping plant in the Denver metro area, and that dude crushed it. I was like, man, let's just hire that guy, and he can come do my job. He'd be way better. So that guy, he, man, he crushed it. His story was amazing, and we're grateful to partner with God. We have a heart not just for Boulder, but for the West and the world, and so we're, we're planting churches not only uh, uh, here in Boulder, but in Denver Metro, and then in the Philippines, and in India, and in Thailand, and so, man, we have a heart to be a part of God's bigger story, not just about us. So as we get into today, I, I have the privilege of celebrating some really awesome stuff Uh, that happened a couple weeks ago that we're just now catching up to. Our friends Greg and Kara were baptized in Boulder Creek a couple of weeks ago. Put your hands together for them. So awesome. And um, and we recorded some stories just so you can hear their stories. So we're going to start the service today with you having the chance just to hear their stories. Amazing, amazing stuff. And uh, before we we get into that, I just want to kind of clarify quickly what baptism is. And so for Greg and Kara, you're going to hear their story. But baptism is something that we do after we make the decision to follow Jesus, and, and the reason we do it is two things. Number one is because Jesus told us to. <laughs> and so you're like, hey Jesus, I wanna follow you. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. You should get baptized. I don't know Jesus about that whole baptism thing. So number one, we do it because he told us to, Matthew 28, you can read it on your own time. And number two, it's this incredible picture. It's celebrating on the outside what Jesus has done on the inside. So when someone goes under the water and they come back up, not only in Boulder Creek is it absolutely freezing, but it's a picture of jesus death burial and resurrection on our behalf to make us right with god and it's a picture of how the old us is gone and jesus has made us new you guys got it that's that's why we celebrate through baptism it doesn't save you you know it's not it's not a ticket to get into heaven or anything like that it's something that jesus invites us and commands us to do in celebration externally of what he's done internally so now enjoy greg and Kara's video and listen after each video go crazy, clap, celebrate, okay? They're sitting in the room, it'd be really depressing if you didn't clap or you're weird, right? <laughs> Heaven celebrates, so we should too. So after each video, they're gonna play, let's do it. Greg and Kara, come on, put your hands together.
1: Hi everyone, my name is Kara and I was recently baptized um, in Boulder Creek. I grew up in a Methodist church um, where it was a really strong presence in my family and my mom always made it a priority in our home. Um, But what I can say is that I was never really a consistent um, church goer per se. Um, I played competitive sports growing up and just never really had Sundays to spare really with all the travel tournaments and everything. Um, but, like I said, it was always a big presence in my life because my mom did make it a strong priority in our home. But I never quite understood the relationship with um, Jesus portion until I went um, to a church camp, a week long church camp for a non denominational church. And I remember just standing there in worship and it just clicking, being like, wow, I get it, this is what it is to be a Jesus follower. And I think I was 15 or 16 at the time and um, accepted um, myself as a follower of Jesus right there. Um, But again, still, I I never really got that sense of community through the remainder um, of high school and going into college. I went to a few different churches, but nothing ever quite stuck. Um, so for me, I feel like it was always more of a feeling that I had, and less of a of a practice. So when moving out to Boulder, I wanted to make it a priority in my life to find community, to go to church and to make sure that I didn't only just feel it in my day to day, but I was actually practicing as a Jesus follower. Um, So that's the reason why I chose to get baptized here at City Church. I think just walking in these doors immediately and just seeing this community open their arms. Um, It just felt like home immediately, and they have been crucial in my journey with strengthening my relationship with Christ, and I'm so thankful that I chose to get, get baptized here in this community. And what I would say to somebody that's not yet a Jesus follower is just take that next step where you are. You don't have anything to lose, and you only have everything to gain. Um, So thank you all for listening to my story, and I'm here to tell you today that I am a follower of Jesus.
2: My name is Greg, and I was recently baptized in Boulder Creek. So growing up, I grew up Catholic, and I used to go to church once, even twice a week. Uh, and I also went to Catholic elementary school. So I learned a lot about Jesus through teachings, uh, but I didn't really have a relationship with God. I started dating Kara, and we went to a non-denominational mass. And first time going, I'd only ever been to Catholic masses before. And uh, up until this point, I only knew typical church music, so I walked in and I was like, why is there a rock band on stage? Uh, First thing was one of the first things I noticed. Um, But once I, kind of look past the, the different scenery and the different experiences of it, I really saw that everyone was very authentic, authentic, and everyone had it seemed like great relationships with God, which I had been missing up until this point. So fast forward a few months, uh, I moved to Boulder with Kara, and we came here and within a week or two found City Church. And it was, it was a whole new world. Honestly, finding everyone at City Church, it was what I'd seen in the previous church multiplied. Everyone was so kind and welcoming, uh, and it really was where I wanted to be, and I think really for the first time when I decided that I wanted to be a follower of Christ. I joined a, a city group and had conversations with Drake, Isaac, Paul, Will, and, and the rest of the group, and everyone has really supported me along this journey, and I really couldn't ask for, for more support. After that support, I really was trying to figure out what it looked like to become a follower of Christ, and I prayed on it a long time. I started reading the New Testament, um, and I would say really praying for the first time in my life. I had again gone through the motions previously, but I, I hadn't had that relationship with God. And after praying on it, um, early June, I really sat down and had a long, hard talk—God, not hard talk—I I could say is an enjoyable conversation with God, and decided to make that jump to be a follower of Christ. I would say that I feel like a weight has come off my shoulders. I think that having Christ in my life has filled that hole that I was missing, that that gap that I didn't have. And so I wanna say that I am now a follower of Christ. So good, let's all go
0: home. No, no, I got 20 minutes, okay? <laughs> guys, Greg and Kara, so proud of you guys. Well done. Um, you know, I, I, as you're sitting in those videos, I hope they're, they're encouraging to you. We're going we're gonna to post them on our, our social media platforms as well, and be able to share those and even reflect on them. But, but I sat in them a couple times this week and just wrote a few things down that, that maybe you, you might have caught. I, I love that Kara pointed out that she, she um, had the chance to kind of move from feelings to practice. That that it wasn't just this internal thing that you know hopefully made my life better on some days when I'm having a hard day, um, but but there's this natural connection to faith and then what I do in and through my life and so I love that you pointed that out, Kara. That was amazing. Um, and then Greg, man, it, it was super cool. I, I love the, the comedy, Greg. Uh, by the way, uh, that dude's like six and a half feet tall, and so baptizing him in the creek was like like dunking a tree. you know. <laughs> you know so we need taller people to help baptize next time, but. Um, I, I love how Gre- Greg pointed out that there was this l- this weight lifted and um, it kind of filled this gap that he'd been looking for. And, and what's really cool uh, is, is you both kind of mentioned a couple of things that we push really hard here at City Church, this bell that we're constantly ringing about like this instrumental space of like weekend gatherings and city groups and then like personal time with God and the scriptures and in prayer and all these different things that are kind of like catalysts, but I don't want you to miss over and over again, what Greg and Kara were both pointing toward, and that was the relationship with God. Everything they mentioned, everything that they celebrated, everything about city church, private, public disciplines, all those things, they were all catalyst, a means to an end. And Jesus was that end. Over and over again, it's the relationship with Jesus that did the changing and the difference. You guys with me on that? We're not excited enough today, so we're going to get there. We can be charismatic with a seatbelt around here, friends. It's okay. Um, Again, for for Greg and Kara and for our stories and for hopefully the story of of City Church, Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the goal. Everything is a means to an end, and and that end is Jesus. And so when we gather in large and small groups and pray, all, all these things, they're all pointing us to Jesus, not the discipline themselves. You guys with me on that? And so... Just a reminder, we did the series at the beginning of the year that's kind of been a theme for the year, and we asked the big question, it was called, uh, the series was called Followers, and we asked the big question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And here's how we summed it up. To be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and then to do what Jesus did in that order, in that priority. That being with Jesus, the relationship overflows into becoming like Jesus. We're, we're not the same persons that we were yesterday. He's working on us and changing us and making us more like him. And then the overflow is that we are doing what Jesus did. It changes the way that we love neighbor and God. And this is the overflow. Over, over, and I, don't, I don't want you to miss this space, guys, that this is what we come back to. This is it be with Jesus, become like Jesus and do what he did. And so if you're wrestling with faith, not sure what you believe about Jesus and God and not sure about the church and all those different spaces, man, this is the clear invitation. First, to be with Jesus. That means to trust in him and start a relationship with him through faith. That's just trusting in Jesus, that he is who he said he is and he can do in your life and in my life what he said he would do. To save us, set us free, make us new, make us right with God. But Jesus was this incredible kind of disruptor of the status quo, right? So I don't know what you know about Jesus as we're walking in today, but there's this incredible picture uh, in Matthew 4 that I want to show you before we get into Nehemiah 8. Matthew 4, this is kind of like early on in Jesus' uh, ministry, if you will, as he's beginning to kind of hit the scenes as a 30-year-old, kicking off everything, and it says he's going through Galilee, which is the local region that he's in, and he's teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming or preaching or making public the good news of the kingdom of God, and then he's healing every disease and sickness among the people. So over and over again, this This is Jesus' message, proclaiming this this good news of the kingdom. And listen, I don't know, for for some of you, you've been around church and Jesus, some of your neighbors, some of your friends, and, and it sounded like anything but good news, and Jesus absolutely was proclaiming this incredibly good news of the kingdom of God. And you got to ask the question, like, what, what does that even mean? And over and over again, Jesus would kind of flesh out what the kingdom of God is. It's this kind of rule and reign of God that is advancing on earth, not primarily through what's happening around us, but what, what he's doing inside of us. And so this kingdom of God is this new way of, of being human. It's a relationship with God that's kind of permeating the way that we live, work, and play in all those spaces. And so Jesus, over and over again, is pointing us to this good news of the kingdom. And the reason, one of the reasons that it's good news is because he's a good God. And, and one of my favorite, like, most simple theologies, like, you're just trying to figure out what you believe and why. One of my favorite kind of simple ways is, to, is that God is good, God is great. Maybe it's the other way around. God is great, God is good, let us think Him for our food. Doesn't rhyme, but it but it works, right? Um uh but the, that that whole little two-part thing, God is great and good, that's a really good theology if you're trying to put it together. God is great, like not like Tony the Tiger, great, but like like really great, like, like, you know, kind of creator, all-knowing, all-present, just really, really amazing, all that God should be. That's who God is, but he's also good, meaning just and righteous, but also he has favor toward you and I. That his goodness, he leverages. His strength, he leverages on our behalf. Not because it's deserved, but it's because of who he is. God is great, meaning able, and he's good. That's a really, really big deal. That's some good news for you and I. And so Jesus is rolling through Galilee, talking about this amazing kingdom. And all of a sudden, throngs of people, thousands, tens of thousands of people are following him. And, and what I love about Jesus is he's also healing the sick and, and like engaging in the, with the people in front of him. So I don't want you to think Jesus didn't come with like pithy-isms, come hear a really good message, feel better about your life, and go live it the rest of your week. Right? Jesus also engages directly with the person in front of him. So this is not just kind of an abstract, let's change your beliefs and maybe things will get better. But this is a Jesus who in, in, in integrated his life personally with those in front of him. He'll do the same for you and I. And so as Jesus is talking about the, the kingdom, he's teaching about it and he's demonstrating it. And then he's got these guys and his disciples, his, what we talked about earlier this year, his Talmudim, his, his apprentices, if you will. There's like guys who are going to carry on this kingdom, and they don't quite have it all figured out. But in Matthew 5, you can go read it on your own time, Jesus kind of gives his manifesto, if you will, of the kingdom of God. It's this amazing description. Like, so what does this thing look like? And he talked about it. It's like, it's like you know, a tiny seed that grows and does amazing things. It's like kind of yeast. It's infectious in dough. It kind of gets all over the place in a really, really good way. So he sits down in Matthew 5, and he starts giving this manifesto of the kingdom of God. God, and, and, and it's nothing like people expected. Religious people, they're, they're totally offended. Jesus jacks up the standard way higher than anyone thought it should be. People are invited that no one thought should be invited. It's this radical definition of what it means to love God and people, so it's like out of reach but so compelling at the same time, and what's really, really messing people up is everyone's invited, especially the people who feel farthest from God, and so then Jesus looks at his 12 guys that are sitting there. Again, there's tens of thousands around them hearing in on this teaching, but then he looks at the 12 followers, and he says, you are going to be the salt of the earth. This is how you're going to carry out this kind of kingdom good news, make a difference in the world thing we're talking about. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You ever thought of that? Unsalty salt? White specks? What is that, (laughs) right? Like unsalty salt. It's no longer good for anything, exactly, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And then he goes on. He says, you are the light of the world. By the way, this is where the vision and the heart of City Church was birthed out of. Our name comes from this passage right here. You are the light of the world, speaking to Jesus' followers. A city built on a hill, you see it? Can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they might see your good works, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. So he gives us these two metaphors, salt and light. I want you to think about it for a second. How many of you guys like a little flavor on your meal? Where are my seasoning people at, right? Hell's Kitchen in the room, right? Anybody got a little, you know, like that? Is that how it goes? <laughs> like that, no. Uh, I, so Danielle and I have opposite ends of the flavor spectrum, right? Jesus says you're supposed to be salt of the earth. If you're a follower of Jesus, how's this kingdom thing get out there so other people can have the same good news? He says, first, you're salt. Not like salty, like attitude, you know. That, what was that? <laughs> Don't judge. Let's just erase that one. Let's keep going. Woo! Uh, not, not salty, but salt, as in flavor. Danielle and I, she comes from a very like flavorful family, you know what I'm talking about, like season everything, everything super, you know, intensely flavored, and most of the time it's okay, but like I came from a salt and pepper family. Anybody salt and pepper in the room? Keep it, keep it real. Just right, the three of us, great. We can all go hang out for lunch together. (laughs) I feel like a minority right now in that space. So salt and pepper, it was still, but what does salt do? I want you to think about it. First, it adds Flavor, as as in salt, brings out flavor and taste from like bland to amazing. So when you, when you you know we're living life where we live, work, and play, are you bringing out the best in the world around you, or are you are you a little bit bland? You see, unfortunately, a lot of our friends have had encounters with people who are Jesus followers who call themselves Christians, and and their encounters are, are less than flavorful. Right? <laughs> it's Like that, that taste is nasty in my mouth. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, hmm go get some mouthwash. That's, that's not the flavor I want. You see, some of you were served up a bland version of Christianity, and, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. When you get a taste of my kingdom, it's going to change everything. He calls us to be salt, to give the world around us a taste of the good life, right? It's contagious. It's authentic. It's real. It's deep. It's full of peace and joy in spite of circumstance. It's not perfect, but it's different. That's very different, than some of the Jesus followers that I've known. Some of the Jesus followers I've showed up and I'm like, man, if that's the Jesus you're following, I don't want anything. About- if you're happy and, you're, and you know it, like, tell your face, you know? Like, that, that is not, you're not selling it very well, friend. What, what, is it? what else does salt do? It? it preserves what is good. If you and I are the salt of the earth, it preserves. But what I, what I love about this the most is salt makes people thirsty. Get a pack of saltines. Anybody's mouth just get dry? (laughs) You're like, salt makes people thirsty. That, That when they see your life, Jesus is saying people should get around you and begin to want what you have. And didn't Greg say that? Didn't Kara say that? Many of you in the room are Jesus followers because someone else was salt in your life. You and I are invited by Jesus to live lives that beg the question, why? Why why are you like that? Why do you love like that? Why do you serve like that? Like, where does that joy come from? Where where does that peace come from? And where does that humility come from? Salt. And I love that Jesus also gives a warning. Like, hey, don't lose it. As in, like, your saltiness can kind of fall off. You look up and all of a sudden you kind of lost that influence that salt once had. And so he gives us a warning. But the second thing is light. Light, as in, I want you to think about it, like, in in the first century, you know, you're in the desert on your camel, and it's dark as night, which is dark. (laughs) That's a poor analogy. We'll we'll go with it. It's really dark, okay? And and, and there's robbers, and there's thieves, and it's dangerous, and you're a long way. And literally, there will be cities on hills that were like beacons that you could see from hundreds of miles away, and it was kind of your one point, your North Star, if you will, to safety. When Jesus, this is a very familiar image for his friends, a beacon of hope. My friend Josh, he has this bug zapper that we hang up in his his backyard, and it's like a little mini death star. It's like like this big around, and it's amazing. Um, It draws bugs in, and then bam, their lives are changed instantly. (laughs) (laughs) The church should be kind of similar, right? What is Jesus saying? Like, you know, maybe not the zap part, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, drawing people in. That's what light does. My, my, my favorite picture of this is at Christmas time, uh, we'll do these big candlelight gatherings, and, and uh, uh, pre-COVID, we had over 200 people in this room. Everybody gets their candles, and they light them. And, and o- the only lights in the room are those candles, and there is a massive glow from 200 people holding candles. Jesus says, you're the light of the world, so that people far from God see it and are drawn to it. And again, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about because someone was light for you. Now, I don't want you to miss this. These are actually opposite metaphors, meaning meaning they they accomplish the same purpose, but one is only good spread out and one is only good together. When's the last time you were like, you know what I really want? A bowl of salt, right? Salt, when Jesus uses this metaphor, it's it's understood that it's going to be scattered, so speaking to, again, Jesus talking about this light of the world, this, this salt of the earth, what, what's he talking about? The scattered part of the church? The world we, where we live, work, and play? And then the gathered part of the church. Not that your you know, little light doesn't shine or anything. Don't get me wrong, right? But there's something about the gathered church. Together, experiencing the presence and power of God. Jesus said that people are going to know we're his followers by the love that we have for one another. And so there's this gathered and this scattered piece of being followers of Jesus. Light is most effective gathered. Salt is most effective, scattered. And the Western church has historically put more energy into the gathered light of the world and less energy into the scattered salt of the earth. Or if, it, if we did try to scatter, it was kind of some weird version of it that didn't sit well with you. And so our job as followers of Jesus is to look at Jesus, to listen to his teachings and to adjust our lives accordingly when something is not in alignment. And so for City Church, we have a massive emphasis on being salt and light, gathering together to experience the presence and power of God, to grow, to change, to be more on mission with Him, to be closer in intimacy with Him, and then to go out where we live, work, and play to be the salt of the earth, to love your neighbors, to meet them where they are and help them take a next step, whatever that means. See, why is this this important? What does that have to do with Nehemiah? (laughs) Okay, we're getting there. Because this is exactly what's going on in Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, before I get there, I want to give you just a recap. We did a, really, a mini-series a couple, a couple of months ago called Text and Call, and it was kind of on like the Bible and Can We Trust It and all of that stuff. You can go check it out on our podcast and YouTube channel. But uh, a couple of quick definitions for you from Text and Call. We said that the Bible is a library of writings that are both divine and human that together tell a unified story that leads us to Jesus. So the entirety of that book in front of you, or that little app that you have is a library of writings pointing us to Jesus. And so the beautiful thing about Matthew 5, the reason we started there today, is because it's directly connected to what God was doing in Nehemiah chapter 8. But I don't want you to miss this picture. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, we normally read the Bible as a series of disconnected stories, each with a moral for how we should live our lives. Like, all right, how does this help me tomorrow? And that's a good space, but it's not for that purpose. Rather, It comprises a single story telling us how the human race got into its present condition, something's broken, something's wrong, and how God through Jesus Christ has come and will come to put things right. That's the kingdom of God. You guys got it? That's the the whole picture, the whole point of Jesus, the whole point of that whole Bible is this one big idea. So don't miss this, it's just a really important reminder as we wrap up our time, is this, Jesus is the center of the scriptures and the center of life itself. Greg said it well. There was a hole in my life, something I was chasing, something I was missing, and that was Jesus. He was the only one that could fill it. I think it's it's, uh, C.S. Lewis, I think, that said there's a a God-shaped hole in the center of every man's heart that only he can fill. And so this picture right here, Jesus is the center of the scriptures and of life itself. So when you read Matthew and you read Nehemiah, this is how you tie it all together. So Nehemiah chapter 6, let me show you this. In case you're catching up on the Nehemiah series, um, Israel's been sacked and taken into captivity. They're starting to restore the city, and they just built the wall, which is a really big deal for like a, uh, an ancient uh, community. Okay? And so they just finished the wall, which was crazy. Tons of obstacles. You can go check it out in the rest of the series. And, and here's what happens. When all of our enemies, Nehemiah said, when they heard about what, what had happened, they'd finished this wall around Jerusalem. All the surrounding nations were afraid, and they lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. It's pretty amazing. This amazing feat that shouldn't have happened had happened, and and, and everyone around them is like, whoa. And they're giving, right, what what did Jesus say? Glory to God? So, so, So they're actually acknowledging and giving glory to God. Now here's what's interesting nehemiah 7 and nehemiah chapter 8 they kind of start going back to life as they know it it's kind of back to the grind they've been working really hard and so this kind of they kind of finish and then go back to the grind some of you are walking in and right this week has been a blur you're just like trying to survive you barely got your head above water to breathe and you're just kind of in that space of numb and and visionless and that's kind of where they were They're like cool the project's done let's go went to church now let's go home and and do the thing that we got to do for the rest of the week it's meal prep time or whatever. And, and, and so this space, they, they kind of go back into the, the grind, and here's the call I want you to see in Isaiah 42. Isaiah gives us this purpose that God has been working for a long, long time. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I'll keep you, and I'll make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Sound familiar? It's no mistake that Jesus shows up with the same metaphor that God's been working with throughout history, a light to the nations. Israel's original call was to be a light to the nations. And they had missed it. They had dropped it. They had abandoned ship, and all of a sudden, they get to chapter 8, and it's like they have a wake-up call. Go read it for yourself. We don't have time for all of it today, but you read Nehemiah chapter 8, and it's like all, all of a sudden, spiritual revival just hits them. Everyone around them had seen what God had done, but all of a sudden, they wake up to like, holy moly, look what God has done. And sometimes we get there, right, where we kind of just forget God's goodness and His greatness in our life. Like, it's there, and we do not it's not like completely gone, but it doesn't like move us. It doesn't shake us. It doesn't like wow us anymore. It's just like, yeah, that happened. But here's what's in front of me. And that's where they were. And then in, in, in chapter 8, man, something changes. So let me show you this. Ezra opens the book. So, so they bring out this the scriptures again, which they haven't done in a long, long time. In the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it up, all the people stood up, kind of out of respect and reverence for this moment of, of the words of God. And Ezra blesses the Lord, the great God, and all the people answer, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And this is amazing. Uh, in verse 9, we see this picture. All the people were weeping as they heard the words. One, because they're overwhelmed with God's goodness. They're re- kind of realizing what, what everyone around them had realized a couple chapters before. Like, wow, God did this. And also they're realizing what they haven't been doing. They haven't been upholding up kind of their commitment to Jesus. Like, man, we have not been alive. We've not been kind of on track with God's plan and purpose. I don't want you to miss this big idea. Religion is focused on what God, I'm sorry, what we can do for God. And a relationship is focused on what God has done for us. Jesus is inviting you into a relationship, not religion. See, there was this big project build the wall, build the wall, build the wall, build the wall. Build the church, build the church, build the church. church, Serving city kids, serving city kids, make the coffee, make the coffee. (laughs) Whatever it is, right? And we gotta do, 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 gotta got to go to church, gotta to go to church, gotta do the thing, gotta do the thing. city group, city group. Religion is focused on what we can do for God, and they're good things. But relationship is focused on what God has done for us. And the overflow of that space out of this relationship, salt and, night, salt and light, they, they, they naturally flow. All of a sudden, the gratitude from this space makes all of this way easier. We spent a ton of time in this series inviting you to lift up your eyes and identify, you know, what God is up to in and around your life. We talked about catching a vision of what could and should be in your life. And I told you two weeks ago to kind of take the pressure off your shoulders that the good news about all of this kind of vision for your life, making your life matter stuff, is that vision doesn't have to be created, it can be received. But I don't want you to miss the big idea of Nehemiah 8, Matthew 5, and what God is doing at City Church and in your life. And it's this big idea, that the end of a God-given vision will always be God. God gets the credit. God gets the attention. Jesus is the hero. And I love this because if you read chapter 8 on your own time, there's not one mention of the wall. All eyes and all hearts have moved from the project in front of them to the God working in them. The attention shifted from the vision around the wall to the author of that vision. And that's what we need. That's what you need. That's what I need. Is my eyes back on the God, the author of it all. That's the goal. That you and I live lives in such a way that attention moves past us, past the work of our hands, and it lands directly on the goodness and the greatness of our heavenly Father. That's what Jesus means. With salt of the earth, light of the world, it's pointing to something bigger than ourselves. It's the goal of City Church that we look up in a month and a year and five years and say, whoa, look at what God has done. And a community would do the same. Now, don't miss this. Nehemiah is is an amazing book because there's this incredible hand of God throughout it, but there's like no overt miracles, right? It's just like some really hard work, some good leadership, and the hand of God. No water into wine, no fishes and loaves, no parting of the Red Sea. And the beauty here is that for every Jesus follower in the room, we are invited to remind ourselves everything is spiritual. Right? There is divine potential in everything that you and I do, where we live, work, and play, when we're put our, putting our kids down for bed, when we're in a meeting at work, when we're at the grocery store, when we're walking our kids through the park with their bikes, when we're going through hard stuff, when life is amazing. One of the questions that you and I are invited to, to wrestle with today is what about my, my vision? What about my life has the potential to point people to the presence and power of God? What about my life is pointing people to the goodness and greatness of God? Because everyone is watching. Whether you realize it or not, everyone's watching. You know how I know that? Because you're watching everybody, <laughs> right? We're all people watchers, aren't we? Everyone's watching. The question is what are they seeing? Are they seeing a life that points solely to your hard work and, and just a kind of a, a, a stream of good luck? Or is there something in my life and something in your life that causes them to stop and to wonder? You see, we want to live lives in such a way. We want to live in love in such a way that the people of our city could still be skeptical skeptical of our beliefs, but they will be blown away by our love. I'll say it again. Jesus is inviting us to live lives in such a way that people could still be skeptical of our beliefs, but they will be blown away by our love. So here's the invitation today. Some of you in the room, you're wrestling with faith and what it means to follow Jesus, and, and maybe today for the first time, you're, you're ready to take that kind of leap like Greg talked about. To put your faith in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to trust in Jesus, means to believe that he is who he said he is, the Son of God. That he can do in my life and in your life what he said he would do. That his life was perfect, that his death In our place for our sin was enough. When he buried and rose again, it meant he has the power, not only sin, death, and the devil, but the power to change our lives. To trust in Jesus means that he did all of that on my behalf, and I want to receive that incredible gift. And maybe for the first time today, you're like, man, I want that. I want to take that jump. Some of you, you're followers of Jesus, but you've never been baptized. You've never celebrated externally what Jesus has done on the inside. And you're missing out on an incredible opportunity, not only to follow Jesus in something really simple, but also to celebrate and let your life do the very thing that Jesus is inviting us to do, to give God glory. Look what he has done, that's what baptism does. Some of you, you need tools to grow in your relationship with God. You need community around you because you're discouraged and you're alone and it's a hard season. We've got city groups and we've got resources and we're here to walk alongside you. We're not just a church that gathers on the weekends. We gather in small groups and city groups across our city and we live on mission together where we live, work, and play. You're not alone. But here's two questions to wrestle with. Are there areas in your life that don't currently line up with scriptures and Jesus' vision for the good life? If he really is great and he really is good, then that question right there has the ability to make things move in some incredibly good directions in your life and in mine. He's not a religious check a couple boxes so I don't zap you like a bug zapper God. He's a heavenly father and he's good and everything he wants for you is for your good, for my good, and his glory. And so that other people can know that same goodness of God. So again, we said, as a church, as individuals, it's our job to look at Jesus and to look at the scriptures and then to pivot, like David talked about last week, to surrender when we're out of alignment. Number two, have you ever prayed, Father, let my light shine before men in such a way that they might see my good works and glorify my Father who is in heaven. This could be something you wake up and pray every day of this week. And it'll change what work looks like. It'll change how you come home. It'll it'll change your interactions with your friends or with your spouse or with your kids. It might even change what you do with your time. So I'm just gonna invite you to sit in that for a second. Will you bow your heads with me? As you bow your heads and close your eyes, this is just a moment of privacy so you don't have to worry about anybody else in the room. Nobody's looking around. You don't have to worry about any of that pressure. But this is just a moment of privacy between you and God. I've given you a lot to wrestle with. I've given you a lot to, to kind of work through. But the reality is God is good and he's great and so he's probably already working in your heart on something very specific. Maybe he's already highlighted something that he wants you to do, something you need to respond to, like he's been doing for me all week. And so I want to give you just a moment, 30 seconds of silence as Daniel, D- Daniel plays, just to just to respond to what God's doing in your heart. So let's just take 30 seconds of silence. Jesus, I'm reminded of your words as we sit in silence. You said, you are the light of the world. So you call us light, and then you identify as light yourself. So Father, we recognize we we can't be light until we first responded to your light, that you've been drawing us to you, chasing us down. Your love is amazing and overwhelming. And so I pray that that fills us today. That our hearts and minds would come back to relationship. And we resist the space that our hearts drift to in religion. There are absolutely things that we should be doing with our hands and our minds and the way that we should be living. It all matters, but the motive matters more. Help our hearts not to drift away into casual routine. But let them be full and overflowing and overwhelmed by your love. God, we want to be the salt and light in the world around us. We want to be the light gathered as we use our gifts to serve one another and sing loud to you and lift our hands and respond and surrender as the gathered church as we serve at a block party or we serve free coffee or whatever the spaces that we are as a church in this community. We want to be that light. But God, we also want to be salt in our homes, in our neighborhoods where we live, work, and play. So God, would you fill us with your love and would that love overflow into how we love our neighbors? And Jesus, whatever's out of alignment because things always get out of alignment. God, would we remember that we're coming back to a Father who loves us and not a God who's wagging His finger at us? Would we remember that your incredibly loving embrace is this space of alignment for our good and your glory? So Jesus, we give you the things that you're working on today. Amen.